1: To the fourth man podcast as always it's anthony and it's great to be back here for another new episode we are recording this the night after the draft and as always i'm with my guy holding the best big three account in the universe big three news aka will will how you doing how are you feeling about your team maybe our team it never gets old to hear you say that you know (laughs) i'm super appreciative every time you
2: do say it but listen you know i feel like I didn't realize how much I missed basketball until last night. Yes. You know, I I miss it so much. You know, football is definitely getting me by, but it's only one night a week. Right. You know, for someone like me that doesn't really pay attention to college too much, it's literally only Sundays and then Mondays and Thursdays if mm-hmm. it's a game that I'm really interested in. But, man, basketball, I cannot wait for that to be back on, man.
1: It's That's so exciting. Draft.
2: Yeah. This whole draft, this whole talk about free agents and buyouts and trades and all this stuff.
1: Oh, I love it. I I love it. it. I love getting into the madness Mm -hmm. of it. Last night was madness for sure. And we got a a great show for you coming up and a great interview on the back end here. But before we get into that, as always, if you want to find the show, it's at Fourth Man Pod on all socials and at Big Three News, of course. And then my personal is at A underscore Siggy. And we are, if you haven't heard yet, we are on YouTube now. You can see our faces. You don't just have to listen to our beautiful voices there. So make sure you're subscribing and liking on YouTube. Uh, you know we, outside of just our shows, we're doing some of the big three pleas on there. And you know, I know will added some of the the clutch shots of Joe Johnson that he's made you know through college, NBA, big three. So good stuff coming and, and only more to come there. Let's talk a little bit about the draft. You know, while this is a big three centric podcast, we did have some guys who had some ties with the prospects last night. Mm -hmm. I think we should start with, we'll just go round by round here, because let's start with Precious Achua, who, Will, you've been updating the fans here that they have, or I should say your followers there, that he's been working out with Mahmoud abdul Rauf, and I don't think he's the only prospect that was drafted last night in the first round working out with him.
2: That's true. Yeah. Precious was um, one of two prospects. Who was the other one? You got to remind me. I'm I, terrible. With I think one. it was
1: Emmanuel Quickly who was drafted that's by the exact, Thunder. That's exactly
2: who it was. Yep. So Emmanuel Quickly and Precious Achua have been two guys that have been working out with Mahmoud Abduroo. Honestly, I can't think of a better guy to get you prepared for the NBA than him. Someone to teach you to take care of your body and just really someone that's just fundamentals going to teach you the killer instincts that you need to make in the NBA. So whoever is advising those two young men, say, hey, go out there and work with Mahmoud roof. fantastic job by them. Or if it's just themselves who are making that jump, that's just awesome. And also, too, uh, we saw Mahmoud was in, I don't want to say the draft room, because everyone was sort of home <laughs> in their living rooms, uh, but Mahmoud was with Pressa Chua's family, so that was really cool to see when he got drafted by the Heat. That was just, just an awesome moment for him.
1: Yeah, they were a lot closer than I realized. And yeah, like you said, who better to ask than the, the only 50-year-old professional basketball player you know, in the history of basketball, probably, and and I think that's a good spot for Precious Achua. Just it kind of just fits the mold. He fits the mold. High energy motor guy. He's going to leave it all on the floor. He fits the Miami Heat mold perfectly, especially with the team they've constructed around. And then Emmanuel Quickly, who I, I think he went a little bit higher than expected. You know, I I try to watch as much college basketball as I can, but prospects are you know people are finding them everywhere. So. I, yeah, I mean,
2: especially this season, right? Without Mark yeah. Madness,
1: I was—I feel like I was completely, like, from someone who is yeah. absolutely a
2: casual to begin with. I was absolutely underprepared with this draft. I feel like I knew the top guys. I knew a lot of the international guys just from like studying some of the big three guys that go overseas. But some of these prospects, I, I didn't know. Like yeah. the Bulls guy, Patrick Williams, Patrick, right? Was that his
1: name? Yeah, he didn't even start a game at Florida State, is what I heard. Yeah, I, I did not know who he was. Yeah, a little unfamiliar. He's like with a his cool name. guy, but. I was not familiar with him. Despite that, I think quickly ran, landed in a good spot with OKC, just, you know, especially oh, yeah. how they've been constructing their roster here lately. It, it looked like originally they were just trying to stay relevant and contend a little bit, but also add the young core. But now we see Rubio being shipped out. There was a report by Woe today that Kelly Oubre could be headed to the Warriors there. I know they acquired Al Horford, but I think they're looking to flip him, flip Danny Green. So with the direction this is kind of going. It looks like that's going to be a good spot for developing young players. The only guy I feel bad for there is Shea. You know, you get a taste of what it's like to be in the playoffs and, and really see some success. And then it's like, okay, we're rebuilding. You're going to be the core piece. But we're starting all over. So I hope you had fun that one year. He's probably like, Man. like
2: like, SGA, when we get all these guys and when we're ready to make a run in 2032, you're going to be our bet <laughs> off the
1: bench. I See, everyone is applauding Sam Presti for what he's done. From garnering all these first-round picks, and yes, you know, kudos to Sam Presti. I've always just been a guy though who's like, I'll trade you all the picks for the established players. You know, like give me the all the established players. You can have all the potential because you got to get it right with the pick too, and then you have to develop some some of these guys just to get catch on with the speed to a you know to an okay, established yeah. guy. Yeah, I love hoarding picks. You're you're a pick hoarder.
2: I'm a big I'm a big hoarding assets type of guy. <laughs> Big Danny Ains, Sam Presti, that type of technique.
1: Don't get me I wrong. Will. I love, like, rookies with potential, you know, but, you know, you. Spe- like, I'm going to compare this to fantasy football. There's some guys who love to hoard as many picks and they'll trade their best players for them. Me, I'll trade all my picks for 2021 mm. through 2032 when, you know, the Thunder are finally ready to contend there. But that's just me personally. So, one more piece of this, just in terms of big three, which – this one is, is pretty near and dear because, you know, as we know, Kenyon Martin was the first guy to sign a big three contract. His son actually for, I guess, foregoed a commitment to Vanderbilt. Then there were some talks about him playing in Australia. That never transpired. He ended up just working on getting ready for the draft and worked out in his favor because he got drafted last night. Number 52 overall by the Houston Rockets. I think it was 52 overall. Yes, but, I believe so. By the Houston Rockets. Don't know if I'm excited about that because I still yet to know what team I am rooting for even in the draft. But nonetheless, I think it could be a good spot if they do head toward that rebuilding stage. But what do we think of of KJ landing there? I mean, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, there's a big three alum offspring now, you know, NBA, someone we can kind of watch and look out for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like already in this
2: episode, I'm exposing my lack of basketball knowledge. But immediately when when Kenya Martin Jr. was drafted by the Rockets, I was like, oh, I was like, I want to pull up a picture of him next to his dad in a Rockets jersey. I could have swore Kenya Martin played for the Rockets.
1: I don't think so. I could have Thunder Or not Thunder. Nets. Wow, I just exposed myself too. Nets. (laughs) Nuggets are the two biggest ones. I'll have to... I don't
2: know. Knicks, too, right? Was he on the Knicks? I could have sworn. that... Now forgetting who Kenny office.
1: Martin even played for. <laughs> Nets and Nuggets are definitely two. Right, all right. I know he got for. drafted by right.
2: the Nets. I know he was very good with the Nuggets.
1: The Knicks, you're all right. He did mm-hmm. play there. And then he's played briefly with the Clippers and the Milwaukee Bucks. So not the I Rockets. Where, I don't
2: know where I'm getting Rockets I guess from, you're getting
1: that trilogy uniform, you know, that red. I guess I am. I guess I am. Maybe that's, it's just messing with my brain. But <laughs> uh,
2: Let me tell you this. Speaking of messing with my brain, all of this talk, I have completely brainwashed myself with the big three, with all of these talks on ESPN. When I see a headline like Brooklyn trying to form big three with James Harden, <laughs> or like Lakers trying to form big three with, you know, uh, DeMar DeRozan, I'm like, Oh my god, like the big 3, the big 3, you know? And I feel like obviously the big 3, the name of the league is a play on that. Yeah. But I completely flipped around a No,
1: bit. I'm I'm the same way too. I think instantly I'm like, "Oh man, these guys are going to join the big 3. Seems a little early <laughs> in their career, but you know, whatever. I'm I'm all for it." I'm yeah, like, "Oh, wait, that's, that sounds cool." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what they call guys, the, the superstars forming in a trio. But would be cool maybe one day we do see that big 3. But nonetheless, I thought It was a great draft. Like you said, a a lot of names that I was a little bit unaware of. And a lot of guys that went undrafted that I think I was more aware of. I don't know, you know, what scouts are necessarily looking for. But, you know, I I know that we have had – we've talked a little bit about draft prospects on here with kind of our draft analyst, Liam, there. And he talked about a guy like Miles Powell who could be potentially a good fit for the big three. And he's a guy that went undrafted last night, and I think a lot of people were advocating for – Ended up signing a two-way with the Knicks, but you know that that's a conversation for a different day. I think that could definitely be um, something fun as we kind of see these undrafted free agents sign contracts. Well, I think there's a conversation or, that might just
2: happen, right? Not to tease anything, but
1: I mean, I'm just we saying we might have to get draft analyst Liam in here. Yeah, I th- I'm just throwing it out there as an idea. It's something that mm-hmm. you know maybe pop up on the calendar here in the future.
2: <laughs>
1: Nonetheless, that's pretty much all the ties, just in terms of big three. And the nba draft last night congratulations to all the prospects that were drafted and we're actually going to kind of flip into the spectrum here and we're going to actually have a cool interview today with dion glover who was a member of trilogy's championship winning team um, a bet in his own right well respected not within just the big three community but the nba computi- community community <laughs> computer and community together is computed apparently <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, we had a great conversation with him. So we appreciate everyone who tuned into this half of the episode. And let's get to the Dion Glover interview. All right. Today we are pleased to be joined by a big three champion and a member of Bivlac last year, Dion Glover, the other glove in the league. Dion, we appreciate you hopping on today and talking with us.
0: No problem, man. I appreciate you guys having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so first question, you know, the first thing I think we always like to ask people from the big three, um, especially those who have been in the league since the year one, how did you learn about the big three? You know, was it some people within, uh, you know, within the league early on that kind of reached out to you and was like, hey, this would be a good opportunity or how, what was kind of your way of getting into the league?
0: Well, uh, just just in uh, constant communication with Kenya Martin, who's one of my great friends, Uh got a great relationship with him. And uh, he was just telling me about the league and, you know, they had signed into it and it's going to happen. And, you know, I was kind of hesitant and reluctant about joining because I, you know, I was just trying to wait and see if it really was going to happen. And, you know, things got together you know, cube and and Jeff and Roger Mason junior at the time, you know, pulled pulled the strings and, you know, league black, uh, uh, had a, had a great first season, you know, with AI mm-hmm. and those guys signing in and, and just made that that made it pop, made it go.
1: Kmart's a good advocate for that, you know. He was the first guy to sign on to the Big Three, so sure. Uh, once he was able to gather any, everybody in there, it seemed pretty enticing there. Um, and you actually ended up being drafted there by Trilogy. Uh, obviously, we know the story there. You guys go ten and o, dominate the Big Three there. But outside of the championship, what do you think is the thing that you remember the most about that that first season with Trilogy?
0: Uh, just the camaraderie relationships and just feeling like you're playing professional basketball again, like in the NBA, uh, seeing those guys every weekend and just, just listening to how their life has changed since they, you know, retirement for most of us. And just being around the guys, man, was, was great. You know, the hotel live is playing space and just sitting around reminiscing and talking about the good old days, man. That was the the thing that I enjoyed the most and and, and the thing I think a lot of us enjoyed the most.
2: Uh, So my co-host Anthony touched on it and you are one of the few people in the league now that have been there for three seasons. So from your perspective, what does it take to play in the big three since that, you know, you don't really sign, you don't sign multi-year contracts. You have to earn your spot every year if you're not a captain. So what does it take to earn your spot three years in a row every year of the league?
0: Uh, just being in shape it's like uh you know just like preparing for any other sport uh you know people look at it as three on three basketball but you really don't have help defense help side defense you're really doing things one-on-one so you really got to hone in on your craft just like you know you're preparing for the nba and those games were competitive man so just being in tip top shape you know you know the best shape you can be in always helps so you know, guys worked out No, I worked out all year round and it really got me back in the life shape. So now I, I since that um, that happened, I, I run every day. I live weight still every day. And, you know, I probably will never play again. But it really was life changing.
2: That's awesome. And so then from Trilogy, we sort of talked about it. Um, that first season, obviously, only undefeated team the league has ever seen. You guys have the perfect season what was sort of the X's and O's behind the three V3 trilogy as compared to like five V five, what, what are the major changes?
0: Uh, The major changes. I mean, that first season we had, you know, Rashad McCants and James white and uh, Al Harrington, I thought, you know, just unstoppable. Uh, Those guys approached it and they carried the load for the, the bulk of the season. And the changes like, you know, you really couldn't take a playoff because it was ice, you know, guys were ISO you. So you had to be ready to, to try to guard one-on-one. It was no team concept. You know, if I had, a, just say, you know, when I played with the Hawks, I had Dikembe Mutombo. I, I know if I got beat, he would be back there. Uh-huh. But <laughs> in three-on-three basketball, if you get beat, that's going to be a layup. So Gone. you really had wow. to take the challenge of of guarding somebody mano a mano. And you had some great guys, Steven Jackson and Rashard Lewis who won MVP that year you have some great guys that can really score the basketball.
2: Kemba, that's not a bad
0: uh, safety net to
2: have, <laughs> you know, waiting behind you. <laughs> so
1: you, <laughs> you touched a little bit on the camaraderie and, and some of the guys you play with year one. But, you know, I, I don't know if everyone who tunes into the big three now knows this, but, you know, you had Coach Rick Mahorn there, one of the bad boys, as as your coach, who won the won the first title there. What was it like to have him kind of leading your squad and, you know, maybe being able to see things as a coach from the sidelines there?
0: Uh, Rick Mahorn was great. Uh, I, I would actually, my rookie year, Rick Mahorn was one of the assistant coaches for the Hawks. So I always had great respect for Rick Mahorn uh, as a player, uh, as a coach, as a man, a father, a husband, because he taught me a lot about life. And the thing he preached us really was life lessons. He never really we talked about basketball, maybe 20, 30 minutes. After that, he was more like, man, what you doing? How you family and those things. And you knew Rick really cared about you. So we didn't want to let Rick down. So that's why we went out and competed uh, every game like that because we knew Rick loved us and we were going to have Rick back and his pedigree alone, just bad boy pistons, tough, <laughs> grinded <laughs> out, you know, foul and, 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 you know, just play hard. So. You know, we had a lot of respect for Rick, and we still do to this day.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's the best thing about the big three is the family aspect of it. You know, uh, some guys in the league that didn't get – their their kids didn't get to see them play. They got a chance to see them maybe in the big three. And um, there's just a lot of family aspects to it, and I think that's one of the reasons that it draws me in so much uh, personally. So you guys dominate year one um, in the big three. You go 10-0. No one can stop you. And then year two, you come in, you guys bring back the same guys and and the competition gets a little bit tougher there. Um, But what I found very interesting is that, you know, for year two and year three, there was kind of a little bit of a squabble in both those games and you just so having to be on on one of those teams. (laughs) Year two, you Mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, McCants and, and Nate Robinson kind of going at it. And then year three, you had Royce White and Josh Smith going at it. But just in reference to year two, what was kind of the atmosphere in that first game? You know, obviously Nate had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and wanted to come in and try to prove, you know, his worth and what he could provide to the big three. What was kind of the atmosphere though, for that game uh, with you guys coming off that, that championship season?
0: You know, the atmosphere was, 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 was great. And we always felt like everybody was, you know, wanted was trying to wait until we lost, like what, what game were the, which trilogy you going to, going to finally lose. And, it just so happened, you know. Nate's always been a great player. Still to this day, I think Nate could play some NBA minutes on on an NBA roster. So guarding him in three on three basketball with a lot of space is virtually impossible. So, um, just the, the 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 rivalry that him, uh, Rashad McCants and him had leading up to the game, because Rashad would play had a you know tremendous first year. So everybody was gunning. We knew we were going to get everybody' best shot. And going into that game, we thought, you know, in three-on-three basketball, we can pick on Nate because, you know, he's small in stature, but he's big in heart. So, you know, his heart prevailed. He proved us wrong. And Nate always been like that, had been a guy that had to prove to everybody that size doesn't matter. And, you know, I tip my hat off to Nate Robinson. Great guy, great competitor. And, you know, I love what he, what he's doing with his life to this day.
2: I love it. So obviously, so season two we don't see the same success as season one, and then season three comes around, and then it's a scenery change for you. Um, what were the events leading up to being drafted by Bivwack? Were you aware of that ahead of time? Did you find out when your name was called? What was that like?
0: Well, I, I, I kind of uh, you know I trained Josh Smith, uh, who okay. you know had a great NBA career. So I kind of felt like he you know if I was on the board, he w- he would give me a look, and you know he called my name. So I, I kind of felt that w- that would happen. And, you know, he kept his word and brought me on. And, you know, I thought those guys had a, had a great run at it year three.
2: What word would you say is the main differences? Because I remember when you were drafted and I remember one of the, uh, I wasn't, wouldn't say critiques, but I thought maybe one of the chinks in Bivouac's armor because I thought it was a really well-constructed roster. I think Josh Smith and Reggie Diaz did a really good job building that roster, but there wasn't a lot of big three experience on that roster. So then when they drafted you, I'm like, oh, that's great. Dion's going to bring in, he's really going to be the guy that's going to show Josh Smith and Will Bynum and CJ Leslie, what it's like, what was, I guess, let's talk about that. So compared to trilogy, what was it like being on bivouac? What was different? What was the same just in terms of the camaraderie, things like that.
0: Well, the difference in bivouac, um, I think just for the season was the talent level, you know, the first year we had some talented guys, but I think guys didn't didn't approach it a lot of guys in the league uh they were not in shape uh and i think by year three guys approached it like you know i need to be in shape i want to give this the best shot and some of the guys like joe johnson they were trying to get back on the nba roster who i think should still be on the nba roster as well so you had guys that really approached it and were in phenomenal shape and were ready to go by year three So I think that was the difference. I think year one, we had the advantage because all of us was in tip-top shape. James White was coming back from overseas. Uh, I was kind of working in the G League as an assistant coach, and it was days that I had to practice because we only had nine people. So I was in shape. Al was in shape. Kenyon was ready to go. And, um, you know, I think we just were in better shape than most guys, most of those teams during that time. So the difference was just – by year three, everybody was in shape. So everybody had to play on talent and stuff like that. By year in year one, it was a select few guys who approached it that I have to be in shape.
1: Definitely. I think we definitely noticed that too, just with the rave reviews that we heard, you know, throughout season three there. And and you you kinda of played a little bit of a, a different role with BivLak being that lone vet. But something that we've kind of seen transpire over, you know, I guess you can even say the past few weeks is that we've seen some of the big three guys that were playing in the league now kind of being some of the assistant coaches. You know, we saw stat, um, sign with the Brooklyn nets there, uh, Gennaro Pargo is obviously a guy who coaches for Portland. You said you were training Josh Smith and, and I, um, I imagine just as a big three vet, you were kind of coaching up some of the guys just telling them, you know, what they may or may not see in this kind of scenario. Do you kind of look at, and you said you were coaching the G league. Do you kind of look at the big three? Maybe as not just a platform to potentially get back in the NBA or, or play when you're a little bit older, but also as a, a way to start coaching and, and, and potentially you know be an NBA coach at, at some level.
0: Most definitely, I think is, you know, a lot of a lot of guys with great basketball minds, um, and a lot of guys that can still play. Um, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And when those when those GMs and coaches see those guys, they realize those guys are still around. They still exist. They still in tune with basketball. Some of them still have relationships, and they they give those guys a chance, like Gennaro Pargo. Um, uh, they give those guys a chance, which is I think is great. That just says a lot about the NBA as well, that they're watching even three-on-three basketball and picking some of those veteran guys who have played in the league and deciding to give them an opportunity that coaching and still being around the game of basketball. So the NBA uh, is doing a phenomenal job by keeping guys involved uh, when guys are around so you know I tip my hat off to those guys
1: and just in you know your experience do you feel like and this might be the obvious but do you feel like players are a little bit more receptive to you know former players or guys who are still playing professionally as coaches more so than maybe some guys that were just worked their way up the coaching ranks there
0: no I think guys I think uh you know uh it's, it's both ways I think these these players today respect both you know both sides of it. I think some of the players today will have to YouTube us or Google what we've done because, you know, most of these players coming in, they 19. I probably got my daughters older than most of these players Man. coming in. So <laughs> they they didn't see a lot of us play back then. But these guys that are getting, that are working their way up the ranks, they're more than qualified. Got a like high basketball IQ and they're they're ready to do the job as well. So, you know, I think they just respect good basketball mind and good basketball sure. people. Makes sense. So
2: how was, so sort of circling back to Bivouac, what was it like, I guess, we saw this sort of explosion from Will Bynum, especially in that game against Chicago where he breaks the record for the most points uh, in a big three game. I guess, did you see that coming as his teammate? You know, did you you take one look at this guy in the beginning, like, oh, this guy's going to do some damage in the league? Was he, obviously, it's easy to tell he came in ready, prepared, um, but just as a teammate from Will Bynum, what did you see behind the scenes?
0: Well, Will always been uh, uh, on top of his game, always had a chip on his shoulder. Georgia Tech guy, go Yellow Jackets. So <laughs> he, he's always been, uh, when, as it relates to basketball, always, you know, in shape, ready to play chip on his shoulder type of guy. And leading up to that game, he just, he felt disrespected because he heard a lot about Frank Nitty, who, you know, LA legend, Drew League legend, great player himself. So Going into that game, all Will said was, man, watch this today. So <laughs> I had to, myself, Reggie, you know, Reggie Thiers had the best seat in the house and just watched that game. He was like, man, just don't take me out. I'm, I'm going to put on the show for my for, for my city. And he went out and done exactly what he said. And, he, you know, Frank, who was a great player, and um, they just caught him on, on, on that day where the basket was big and everything was falling. And Will put on the show. He put on a phenomenal show.
1: Yeah, that was unbelievable. It, tru- it truly was. Um, within the season, there's so – I want to talk about one game because every now and then because the big three, you know, off season, quote, unquote, has been so long at this point. Every now and then I'm just going back on YouTube and watching a bunch of highlights from games throughout year three, year two, year one, et cetera. And one game in particular I was watching earlier today just in preparation was Bivlax game against three-headed monsters in and in a pretty competitive game this past year uh, where it was 50 to 43. I felt like your team, Bivlack, everybody was really contributing, um, you know, throughout the entire roster. Uh, but, you know, in, in that game, you come in kind of later in the half, you guys are a, a little bit of foul trouble, I believe. And you hit a couple, you hit the free throw and then you hit the shot to take you guys in the halftime. And it felt like there was like kind of some chitter chattering. Obviously you got GP over there for three-headed monsters who, is well known for being a trash talker, but you hit that shot, and in the clip you were saying something to GP, like yelling something over there, like as you guys are going into the half. Not sure if you remember. It kind of might have been in the heat of the moment. Do You recall what you said over there, or you know what was kind of that game like? Because it did seem like it was a little bit chippy.
0: Well, GP, we have you know a great relationship. I call him my big brother. You know mm-hmm. when he. He does TV in Atlanta? Me and him to go grab some dinner or something like that. Great, you know, that's my big brother. I look up to him. Great career, Hall of Fame career. So, we still have like they still have this thing that when we beat them in the championship game with Trilogy, that we cheated them. So, uh, <laughs> no way, that's their whole thing. Like, they every time we bring this game up. They say the ref cheated them. We cheated them or something, you know, something of that nature. So <laughs> they have this, this running battle, running dialogue with all of us as it relates to that game. So GP was just saying, you know, he's old. He ain't, you know, got to pressure him and all that. So I just used my size, bag the guy down and hit a shot. And I told GP, I'm like, man, you can't pressure me like that. I'm smart enough to back him down. And we left it at that. So we just had this running dialogue because I told GP, I don't think he'll ever win a championship. The closest time he got to winning, it was with the, against us, and that <laughs> didn't happen, so. Oh, you know, man. it's just some trash talking, man. You I know, love he, it. he he's a Hall of Famer champion, man, he meant so much for this league, and so much for us growing up, watching him compete, man, Was he was unbelievable. So, just to talk trash to him, man, you know, laugh at him. Because right after that, we go, you know, sit in the lobby and have a have a bite to eat and just talk trash to one another. So, you know, it it, it was nothing malicious or anything like that, nothing crazy. No, definitely. I'm just telling, man, you can't pressure me like that. <laughs> I love it. And I love,
1: too, it seems like for some reason, uh you know, this year it seems like people are just kind of uh saying someone's cheating and not bringing the evidence. It just seems like that's been like kind of the running <laughs> joke this year. So that, that's, that's very fitting right now. <laughs> Uh, so you you mentioned something earlier so you said that i think you said that this might be our last year was kind of your last year playing um you know and and we've been obviously seeing you training a lot so that leads me to believe that you know big three season three was your last year playing basketball but um i have noticed on your socials that you've been putting these kids to work putting putting these vets to work what's kind of you know, life after basketball, looking for you right now.
0: Oh, great, man! I I, I was actually doing that. You know, that's how I got hired um, to coach with the with, with the, the the G League team uh, in Grand Rapids. So I was working out Josh Smith and Contarius Caldwell Pope, and Ooh. you know, Stan Van Gundy had just GTC. got the job with the, with Detroit, and he came and watched us watching watch me work him out in, in in Vegas, and then he, you know. Called me, he said, you know, I might have a position open uh, for my G League team, and you know, as soon as he called, I, I, I uh, jumped right on it because you know I always wanted to get into coaching. Love, love teaching what I know, and love learning from you know guys like Stan Van Gundy and and Terry Stotts, who's a who I talk to via text, you know, periodically, uh, who coached me in at Atlanta. Just great basketball mind. So I'm always looking to learn and grow as a as a coach. So that opportunity presented itself, and I was able to do it. But I started training as soon as I finished playing basketball um, my first go-around in the NBA. And, you know, my first client was Derek Favors. And he was already good, great, great high school player, one of the best ever come out of Georgia, number one player in the country. He goes to Georgia Tech for a year. He works out with me. He gets drafted third. Now, Derek was going to get drafted third if his grandmother worked him out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just made me look good like I knew what I was doing. But Derek was, he was just that talented, man. And that. so from then on, I just got, got you know, some credit for working Derek Favors out. So I started getting a lot of clients built uh, off Derek Favors. You get those Atlanta boys in shape down there. Uh, yeah, man. I get a lot of Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta guys, man.
1: I love it. I'm from the Atlanta area, you know, so I'm a big KCP fan despite, you know,
0: what, all these- yeah, a champion, man. you yeah, right. just wanted more. That's, that's the only yeah, thing that that's... matters. Right. Yep.
1: Yep. And, and now you have all this clientele, and and I see you you know working out some some younger people there. Do you feel like, uh, or what's it like training you know kids and maybe even teenagers and stuff? Because you know nowadays people are a little bit, or I should say, kids and teenagers are a little bit more impatient just with kind of everything at at their fingertips. So, how do you get them to kind of like really? Ten toes down, and and really dig deep into into what you're teaching them, and, and respect the grind.
0: Man, what I have done, I've been fortunate to coach some. I meant to to train some very key, very good kids, character wise, and the, the the parents are very good character wise. Like they have a very realistic view of where their 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 their, their uh, kid is, their child is, as as it relates to basketball. So. Most of the kids I get are ready to work, ready to get out there. And they understand that they not, you know, the number one players in the country, or, you know, they six, seven, eight graders who trying to get, just make a, a, a middle school basketball team. So they eager to soak it in. And I'm, I'm really getting a, a kick out of that because they listen to every word. They're like sponges. You see their wheels turning and they trying everything you tell them, uh, and just to see, you know, the changes in their game week by week is what I'm getting a kick out of because I'm enjoying the process, enjoying the journey with them. And I, you know, I tell a lot of parents, it's a process, it's a marathon. It's not gonna happen overnight. We're gonna have some great days in the gym, we're gonna have some average days in the gym. But as long as we keep working, keep working, we'll get to the finish line. So, you know, I, I've been fortunate to have some great parents, great kids to work with, and you know. They give it 100% every time they come. Love
1: that. That's yeah, that's good to hear.
0: Yeah.
2: So I guess, at least for me, um, we'll end it on a big three question. Um, Anthony alluded to it. This has sort of been the offseason that seems to have no end, but we're hoping that 2021 will bring in uh, <laughs> sort of a new chapter for the big three. From a player's perspective, from someone that's been here since day one, you've seen the league of all firsthand. What do you think they have to do, you know, from a player standpoint to make everybody feel OK and and sort of, you know, hit the ground running coming back?
0: Well, I just think just just just, you know, I think the economy, I mean, not not the economy, but the government would take care of it. I think the NBA done a great job of, of making basketball, bringing basketball back with the bubble and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So a lot of guys feeling comfortable. Um, you know, a lot of guys are playing pickup basketball, the NBA about to start again, training camp December 1st. So I think the uh, big three will take some of those guidelines and approaches to player safety, player's health, uh, maybe maybe have a bubble for two or three weeks and try to cram all the games in and then, mm. you know, maybe play them back or something like that, where, you know, they keep guys, you know, test them every week, make them stay in a hotel, kind of like the NBA uh, does. Cause we only, I know, I know in the big three is only 10 games. Yeah. So, you know, I think they can get those games in. Guys may not get the weekly rest, but if you play a game every other day, that'll take two weeks, you know.
1: Yeah, we talked about that as, as maybe a possibility. You know, maybe they play twice a week. Uh, we just yep. kind of shortened the season. Do you think that's a realistic possibility? Like, do you think guys in the big three would be open to that?
0: Yeah, I think that's a realistic possibility because you still, you know, you're playing competitive basketball. And then you're making like, you know, you're making real good money doing it. So if you buckle down, I I don't, you still can't go anywhere and make that type of money in a a month. So if you buckle down and, you know, your spouse or your family are okay with it and you can make that type of money in a month, then you should and get a chance to compete and, you know, make make great relationships. And that's what I, I honored the most about the big three. I always was a fan of ice cube of his music and his movies and him as an entrepreneur and businessman but just to see him every weekend for two three days you know and get a chance to talk to him and meet jeff and and, and those guys and and i always was a huge fan it was one of my favorite probably my favorite player i wore 22 because of clyde drexler but to, to just to talk to him every day and you know clyde and i talk once maybe once every two weeks now just checking up on each other it means a lot like to honestly have a Hall of Famer of that caliber, just call your phone and say, Glove, and just check checking on you. That means a lot. That means a, a great deal. So That's dope. Super. The relationships and everything are great. So I, I hope guys uh, take advantage of it if the opportunity presents itself again to play in the big three. It's a great league. You know, I have nothing but great things to say. It was a very, very, very positive um positive Thing for me, you know, I enjoyed it.
1: Absolutely, and I know that you know. Looking back twenty years from now, we're gonna remember you as, as one of the, the vet guys. You know, one of the the founding fathers, almost. So you know, um, your name is etched in Big Three history forever. And and we really appreciate you joining us. We know you've had a, a long day and you've been grinding nonstop, even though you're not playing basketball professionally anymore. But we appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate the time, and uh, you know, look forward to to seeing you know. What's to come for you?
2: Yeah, this is this I appreciate is big for us, Dion, too, because you're our first guy from Bivouac.
1: Yeah, wow. So we're only
2: we've had every team now except for Aliens, but with you, we can cross Bivouac off the board. So yeah, this is a big wow,
1: big milestone.
0: Yeah, I'm still mad at us, man. We gave we gave, Joe Johnson came back and beat us, and we gave. Man, we let uh the team at the end of the at the, at the ball hogs beat us. They go uh, uh then win the game and, and then just beat us. That was your the playoff, Man, that was your that playoff was our playoff. Spot. I felt like we get in the playoffs, then we can see what happened. I felt like we had the team to beat them. I mean to win the whole thing again. And I was gonna talk major trash if you <laughs> you were about to you the one 2 Man, the one two championship. <laughs> man, I know you were
1: you were heated about that that one against Joe yeah, Johnson and triplets but. too, because that's that late. I I know you and Josh probably were both heated after that one.
0: Yep, yep. I, I, I was like, there for that one. Yeah, man. I felt like we had beat uh Steven Jackson and those guys who were a tough out that year. They were mm-hmm. they were tough, they put together some great games and Steve and Oak put together a great roster, man, of guys that, that really competed. So, you know, it's a great league, man. I hope it comes back. I hope Cube and those, and Jeff are able to figure it out uh, with the pandemic going on and, you know, because it was a great league. I enjoyed
1: it. I really did. 100%. We enjoyed being able to watch you play. So we appreciate it and, you know, continue to stay safe and healthy and, and take care of the family.
0: Man, y'all do the same.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot.